Debo going on his own. He gets the try. The Red 78. We're both monster people. Every gets over the line. Try from outside. Nobody knows monster rugby better. Hello and welcome along. I'm Alan Quinlan and you're listening to episode 51 of the Red 78 here on the Rugby Channel with me as always is Neve Briggs. Uh, how are you, Neve? No festive cheer for Munster at the, on Monday night, but um, anyhow, very good Leinster side. Disappointing loss for Munster. Uh, we'll talk about that in a minute. How was Christmas for you? Um, you announced your Munster yeah. squad last week. And uh, have you been training over Christmas? Yeah, um, we we're we're going through a right busy period now because we start the interpros um Saturday week on seventh of January, so it's been a very short window for us to try and prepare. So try and squeeze as much into it as we can. Um, but yeah, look, it's 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 been a busy Christmas working as well. So um, not much downtime. But uh, as you say, probably could have been um cheered up by uh, a better result at home park. Uh, so your interpro your interpros are on in a couple of weeks. Yeah, seventh of January. So we've we've literally had maybe uh less than two weeks to prepare so far. So we'll have one more week, three week okay. build up. It's it's not ideal. It's very frustrating for us. But um I think it, the only saving grace is that every province is in that kind of boat. So um so we start seventh uh, in Cork against Ulster, um a quarter to five. Get a, a good crowd out there that'll be great we must get one of the girls on after the interpros now and see will they criticise the head coach <laughs> or, no. anyway come uh, here you were like one of those to... famous fellas at Thoman Park you know you were on the television oh I believe and, so and uh, you were wrapped up in the coat and the hat and it was like oh like the, the celebrity spot I didn't, I didn't my mother really... said he looks like a lovely fella well, she's dead right there. I am a lovely fella. Well, I didn't realise at the time it was John Langford was nudging me afterwards. You know, John Langford, yeah, yeah. former Australian that played played with Munster. And he was back for a few days and uh, staying with the Foley's in Killaloo. And uh, he brought the family, his wife, Nicole, and the kids with him. So it was great to have him meet him. That was a quiet night, was it? It was because I had it, oh, uh, AJ okay, with me, my son. So we drove down and back and back that night. Um, so, but it was lovely to be there, and it was nice. It was nice to catch up with John. Um, Paul was there. Stephen Kyo, Ian Dowling, Barry Murphy, uh, Dominic Crotty was there. Um, we were trying to have a little bit of a reunion, but um, a lot of fellas were just tied up, which was understandable with kids and Christmas and all that. But uh, we need to do one soon. But it was great to meet John Langford. He's such. Um, to be fair to him, he has uh, he gets mentioned a lot in our journey to start to that in 1999, 2000 onwards. Um, the way the fitness levels he brought, the professionalism, all that kind of stuff, the way he helped people. And he, he, he obviously played very well on the field then as well. So uh, very much loved by all the Munster we fans. We should have got him on. him everywhere. We should have got him on. Yeah. He's done enough talking and he'd bore us to tears <laughs> anyway. And, uh, I'd, I'd say that to his face. But anyway... Disappointing results, but as ever, we want you to be involved. You can always tweet us at Rugby Channel 15 or at either of our personal Twitter's um, accounts. Leave a comment on YouTube or, or an email at the Rugby Channel at barmedia.ie. So we have lots of tweets. Um, the reaction has uh, intensified. Maybe people are at home and they're, they're looking at their phones and checking, have a little bit more time. But we've lots of tweets. A lot of them are similar, again, in a sense that there's optimism. I asked the question in my tweet yesterday, were, were Munster on the right track? I, I probably could have asked, are we getting the most out of this group? And 
I suppose more, more more people than not said yes, we're on the right track. Obviously disappointing mistakes made in the match, uh, penalties, couple of penalties that went against Munster, but against an incredibly good side. And we, we know we can we, we we should acknowledge it now. You know, Tyke Furlong is not playing, James Ryan is not playing, um, Kaylin Doris, Josh van der Fleer, Johnny Sexton, Gibson Park, Robbie Henshaw. Um, Jimmy O'Brien um, the list goes on it's phenomenal the squad they have but the players they've picked and Leo Cullen seems to get this right a lot um, he picks guys who are hungry they're obviously quality players but they're hungry and they're trying to make an impression and it's a really big game for them playing Munster so very good side but uh, disappointing one point loss for Munster so we loads of tweeters we'll try and get through as many as we can just before you do there's one suggestion there Neve. um and it's from, uh, I'm just going to read out one from Ray O'Brien. And he said, Alan, I listen to your podcast regularly and have a suggestion that you get a fan on who was at the game to give the fans perspective. We may, may not have the same insight as professional players, but give fans reaction to the game. Really good idea. We tried to do that, Ray, with obviously, you know, getting some interaction with the tweets. But... It's definitely a good idea and you'll be our first uh, fan coming on her race. So you're very welcome to come on anytime. Talk to us about what Monster means to you, what it's like being at a game. But it's I just thought it was Brilliant we're idea. open to that, Nick. Yeah, so we want fan engagement. Yeah. So carry on. There's loads of tweets yeah. to read. Can I just jump back there to that Lencer thing where we spoke about they're a good team and missing all these frontline players? The biggest thing that they have in terms of the evolution of that group is every week, no matter whether you're a player who rarely plays or a player that plays every week, you're training with world-class players by world-class coaches. And I think for Munster to get to that level, that's three, four or five years down the line. Like That's for Munster to be in a position like that. I feel like we have a world-class coaching team. Um, I feel like what's coming underneath it is good. But I just think that we've got to make sure that Right now, it's like short-term focus or short-term goals and what they are. And, um, yeah, I just thought Leinster, just different gravy. Just different gravy. Um, two of their overseas players, Charlene Gatai and Jason Jenkins, weren't there either, you know. Yeah. So the depth of the squad is phenomenal compared to what Munster are missing in, in the injured players they have and the backup and the impact off the bench and all that kind of stuff. And a lot of the Munster players have been going now for four or five weeks. So, uh, unfortunately, it doesn't get any easier with Ulster. We'll talk about that next week. So, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, so uh, Ampool, definitely on the right track. Again, we could have won, but too many penalties and silly mistakes. Lots of positives. Um, Brian Scobie, a Glasgow fan here. Hello, Glasgow. A bit like Scotland, don't always lead the red zone with points. And I think that's a big thing we've spoken about before. And that's that's um, about being clinical and ruthless, isn't it, Neve? And you get that good teams develop and learn that. And obviously you need the quality as well and top class players, but it's a very good point. You gotta when you get in there, punish the opposition and it hurts them a lot. Yeah. Uh, Joe said definitely on the right track, though the period where we had the lead and Leinster had a yellow card was frustrating. Poor tries conceded. Need to strengthen in the front three and also at 12 if Fekato isn't trusted by the coaching team or is up, um, off the pace after being out for so long. Alan Dooley, they played well and put it up to Leinster. The ref helped calling turnovers almost immediately for Jackal. The case, the, those missed kicks though. And uh, I'll cover your eyes emoji. 
Dave said, absolutely on the right track, but need to decide who our starting half-backs are. Starters last night just didn't cut it. Leinster still a step too far, even their second string. Uh, Shane Ivers, I think they are, they are in terms of being on the right track, but too many penalties and lapses of concentration have cost them. Penalties are killing this team this season. Alan O'Finn, uh, great contest. Munster competed well going forward, nice shape. Defence right up there. Felt if we had more depth with our second rows, we could have added more impact. Great scrum battle. Match was indeed decided by the forwards. Uh, Joe Healy. Great game. Better team won um, and harder working team lost. Leinster able to move up a gear whenever required and I think would have scored again even if Carberry had scored that conversion. And I think that's the thing, isn't it? Is that so much endeavour for Munster at times you always just felt like Leinster could go and go again. Yeah, it's 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 been so cohesive and uh, so organised, well coached. They play with so much pace. Even when Munster scored the tries, I thought it was fascinating. They were uh, they were sprinting back to the halfway line to try and restart the game. So it's common knowledge out there now that Leinster want to play with pace and don't want to slow down the game. The new uh, law changes that are going to come in in the new year are going to suit Leinster even more. They just want to speed everything up, get into lineouts quickly, scrum. But then, you know, obviously they can control the tempo yeah. and like the quality of their defence um, right across the, the the whole 80 minutes was very, very strong. Munster scored two tries and obviously the penalty try. So, um, they did really well. They had to work their socks off but you just felt that Munster that that time when it was fourteen six and Munster got right back and got that try after half time, um, yellow card, uh, you just felt Munster. It's a great time, but Leinster literally went down the field and for the next ten minutes, while while uh, the spin sin binning happened, um, I think Munster had the ball for thirty seconds or something. Yeah. Leinster had it for that long. And control the game, and that's obviously scored two crucial tries. We'll get into that more in a yeah. minute, but um, it's it's there, there's there's certainly a, a control and a quality there that other teams are aspiring to be like. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. Ashley Noonan, we only lost by a point, yet I never really felt like we were going to win it. Definite signs of improvement to be a good team, but we're still up, we're still some upfront grunt, a settled game controlling 10 and some midfield pizzazz away from being a great team will miss John Ryan Jack Quinn our collapse when Leinster had the yellow and miss kicks played a big part we really should have won I think that we were the better team on the night what makes this loss so hard is that we were so close yeah but a lot of people sorry Neve. a lot of people mentioned the kicks Joey Carberry missed a kickable penalty in the first half for sure difficult um, the the conversion was really difficult from the touchline, mm. and uh, so if, you know it wasn't as if he missed multiple kicks. Certainly, the one in the first half was very kickable, but it wasn't. And I saw a few people mention that about kicks. Um, it wasn't as if Munster left, you know, yeah, fifteen that was points really strange. out there from the kicking team. Um, sorry, Dave Parks, definitely an improvement against Leinster, but really disappointed to lo- to lose at home to them again. The 10 minutes against uh, 14 men was shocking and cost us the game. Casey was the game changer and Coombs was the best back row on the field and should have been man, man of the match, in my opinion. Uh, John Tui, Leinster got into fourth gear for the 10 minutes they were down to 14. Munster never looked like winning. Expecting to win this game is naive. 
New coaches need two full seasons minimum to unpick Van Gran. Leinster have a seven-year head start. Mall defence and scrum good work in progress. Um, Willie Byrne thought we did well and showed lots of bite, but for me in attack, Leinster looked far more superior and always looked like winners. Good performance, but, and there was a lot of dots after that. Um, Mark Breen, we're moving slowly in the right direction. We need to offer more in attack. We have some great players coming through. Crowley, Frisch and Campbell look great. Casey offers more than Murray does. Who's our first choice halfback? Our first choice centres. There's a lot of debate there in relation to that. Um, Dominic Larkin needs to decide who centre partnership is. Tony Fresh is the new deal, but needs a partner. Pack needs more umph. We are on the right track, but need more time. Have to cut down penalties or improve okay. the pitchers to the rest. Okay. Listen, um, we've 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 a lot there, and we've a lot to get through. Um, is there if there's any more jumping out? No, you can it go was just. Ahead. It was. But I think no, it was just one thing that's come up a lot as well, and we we we'll take this point by point here. Um, the halfbacks, um, a lot of people mentioned that that they didn't play well. So Conor Murray, Joy Carberry, uh, Casey came on, and and uh, Jack Crowley went into ten in the second half as well. Um, is it unsettling? Do we need to nail down those positions? Because look, it's difficult. I think the last number of weeks you've had a bit of cohesion and selection, and it's helped. I, I think the that's other nailed thing down, is, is, Quinny. Is centre well? It's nailed down. So why was Conor Murray? Is Conor Murray then Joey Carberry your first choice nine and ten? I, I told you they're my first choice. I, I think that they're that that first choice tens. I I actually, yeah, it's funny. I. I think a couple of things jumped out at me from, from, from that in relation to them. I was really surprised after the game to see so much. Um, I actually thought it was quite a good performance for most of the parts. Don't get me wrong. No, no, I agree. There were elements that were incredibly frustrating. I actually thought Murray played well. I thought he did okay, bar one bad box kick. I thought Joey defensively was the best I've seen him because I definitely had question marks over his defensive times. Um, I found at times he, he might have been too deep when we went on when those out the, out, out the back and and a, and a couple of skewed kicks, but I actually didn't think he he did that bad. And I know Grouchy talked a lot about the game plan and game management, especially in that last ten minutes. But he wasn't on the pitch; it was Jack Crowley. So, um, but then we always know Casey's going to give us energy. He's going to give us so much oomph. He's going to give us an incredible amount of a zip in in that pass, and he he allows us to play, you know, at that that extra level. But is that more effective when teams are fatiguing? Or the more effective from the start, I I don't know, but yeah, we, we we're going to find more, we're we're going to find out more about that. But I think the way Munster are trying to play, they need pace and tempo, and maybe Craig Casey is putting a lot more pressure on Conor Murray. But Conor Murray still offers a lot. Joey Carberry is still for me the number one ten. I think they didn't have their best games, Conor Murray and Joey Carberry, in my opinion, they didn't have bad games, but. You know, when you play against Leinster, you're going to be under so much pressure continuously. And, you know, I agree, Conor Murray's one, one of his kicks, maybe two of them are a bit uh, too infield. Um, and Hugo Keenan catches him uh, on the run. I think Joey Carberry put up two or three good crossfield kicks where there was a contest in the air. Probably was a little bit deep at times as well. But you're always going to have a mistake or two. And when you're under that sort of pressure... It's a kind of a debate that'll rumble on a little bit because I, I think uh, Craig Casey and not just Craig Casey, Neve, because I think Paddy Patterson still oh I do as well yeah. has has a lot Never. to offer as well. But the problem you have here is is um, 
you just feel that obviously um, Jack Crowley can play t- 12 and I thought he played well the other night, but you'd love to have an out now big 12. Malachi Fekitoa has been disappointing. That situation It'd has be been disappointing. To see if he, yeah, if he comes back again this weekend. And maybe he will turn it around. I'll give you the, yeah. the listeners and you an example. Jean, Jean Klein or Jean, Jean de Villiers when he signed for Munster in 2009 after 2008-2009 season, he... Um, he he wasn't really up to speed for a while, and it was probably post Christmas, maybe December, and then post Christmas when we start start to see the best out of him. Hopefully, something will happen with Malachi Fekitoa like that. Um, I think he's paid the price for probably a couple of poor performances yeah, early in the season. Yeah, but I, I would I would challenge and that poor team performances. Yes, poor team performances in relation to he was playing. This. Once all the internationals came back, and um, we've seen this consistency in selection. None. We there's been a lot of players that were playing with Fekitoa that that aren't playing either, um. So I would love to see him in there with you know a Jack Crowley, Joy Carberry, um, himself at twelve and um or even at thirteen and, and putting Anton Frisch in a in a in a twelve. That way, then you know we're we're liberating him to be to be playing with you know players that are like a better caliber, I suppose, than than what he had been playing with. But um, yeah, look, it's frustrating. I I I do think that. And debate will rumble on. I just don't. Um, yeah, I, I, it's kind of interesting. I, I like. I think from a, from Jack Crowley's point of view as a ten, I actually think he's a very he's a good twelve. But we just did use him in the wrong way um, over the last two games. It's not going to be yeah, one that's going to bash up. Listen, you, so. when you're when you're playing against Toulouse, Northampton. At Leinster three weeks in the trot, you're going to have be under a lot of pressure. You're playing against a lot of quality. Northampton are the weakest side out of the three of them there, but and the, it comes back to the old school scenario of up front, power up front, dominance there, depth off the bench, yeah. um, and we're a little bit short. I also do think as well as that. That's the reality, and it's it's difficult for halfbacks yeah. then, Neve. Um, yeah, I think that they're on the right track and the way they're double down on your your point there in relation to. They're not playing um, bad, but not playing brilliant from that 9-10 perspective. Against the Leinsters of this world, everybody has to be brilliant on the day. For a yeah, but you need a, power as well. And that's, Leinster yeah. very physical, yeah. Toulouse very physical. And I think, you know, you just need a little bit more power and strength in there. Thomas Ahern, Edwin Adogbo, Finneen Witcherly. RG. Um, RG Snyman, uh, we know that there's a short shortage probably in in depth in the front row. Um, you know we could probably do it maybe a power back row as well, maybe one more. Who knows? But look, there is uh, there's 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 a lack of depth there, and that's the reality. So it's difficult for halfbacks. So they were under so much pressure. Let's run on, move on to um, the tweets are all pretty yeah. similar. Just a quick synopsis is. I think the Munster fans are 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 okay. They're not okay with losing again, but they're okay with with what they're seeing and the effort level. And I think we have to give the players credit, Neve, for the work rate, the honesty, the desire, that stuff that I keep harping on about that has to be given when you put on a Munster jersey. I thought they yeah. emptied the tank. They yeah. Try, you know, they it, gave it, it was everything. ferocious. And, the intensity that the Munster went to that was my kind of only kind of fear at half time was whether we'd be able to, to match that keep that going because that that was up another level than what they kinda of had played previously. Um and I think we saw in the second half that 
you know, that they weren't able and to do very, that. Very for, small, for very small margins. They could have won the game. So, uh, against, but, against but the brilliant for the side. first time in a while, I actually loved there was a little bit of niggle in that Munster Leinster. You know, there was a little bit of niggle around, and I like that because we haven't seen that for a few seasons. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of heart there. There's a lot of passion there, and unfortunately, just didn't get the the kind of breaks that the small margins went against them. Positives, negatives, something I do every we try and do as well. So um, let's just talk about the negatives. Um, for me, um, a little bit of control at times and territory. I think Leinster had more territory in the game, 55% to Munster's 45. Munster had more possession, 53 to 47. And I just thought Munster could have been a little bit smarter in playing, a little bit more territory. Now, I understand in their kind of half of the field, from the 10-yard line around there, a lot in the first half, Munster were trying to play out. So they're trying to hold on to the ball and not just kick aimlessly. So I, I get that. But I just thought just managing their way up the field probably it needs to be a little bit better. Um, The big negative is, is that 10 minutes that yeah. Max Deegan is in the sin bin. What a start to the second half. Um, And, you know, that 10 minutes there, just some mistakes there. Now, there are some issues there that I have here and I'll talk about in a second. Can I, but, can I just jump in uh, there for a big negative for the, the only the, the negative for me? Is that Obviously, a 10-minute period, but in around the 58-minute mark, if you go back and have a look at it, Munster gets within a metre of, of Leinster's line and three straight carries, they get driven back, driven back, driven back, and they look like they were panicked and had no direction or understanding of what they were trying to do, whereas... You know, we talk about being ruthless, and we spoke about it last week. That if Munster got into those areas, then they had to they had to come away with points. And to go from being a meter or two away from the Leinster try line, three or four phases later to be back on twenty two, uh, kind of summed it up and for then, me. And Jack Klein getting driven back, and they knocked yeah. on the ball. Then yeah. they did yeah, work yeah. their way back in there. A brilliant 50-22 from, from yeah, Craig, Craig Casey, and and but, they scored eventually. A brilliant try from Patrick Campbell, but. It makes it a bit harder, doesn't it? You have to work yeah, that I a bit harder. That you just, a bit... When you get that close to the line, yeah. Oh, that was but that was very nice. frustrating. It's, yeah, it's incredible defense from Leinster there. To be fair, and and they're back I know, on their but feet. It's very easy to go back on your feet, go one out, hit one out carries, hit one out carries that are carrying by themselves. By the way, no latcher, no no post latcher from contact, nothing to drive anybody over, no bit of deception and footwork. It was just literally target practice, and I think. That's going to be a big work on for them for next okay. weekend. I so for, I'd love for people to go back and look at these. And 44 minutes penalty just inside Munster's half, but near the 10-yard line. Um, Tyburn gets his hands on the poach. Leinster have possession. And Chris Busby, the referee, gives a penalty against Conor Murray, said he's taken the space. I watched it back about 10 times. I'm not sure really what he's at, what space he's taken. Um, I think he, he was probably thinking taking the space of... the scrum half passing the ball but on the Leinster side and, and being in his way but uh, Tyburn is clearly on the ball it should have been a penalty to Munster it was a penalty against him Leinster kicked into the corner and that started that kind of pressure sequence uh, where eventually Scott Penny scores a try um, they can send me a message on Twitter themselves I'll talk to people about it but on 44 minutes I think that's incredibly harsh penalty against Tyburn the referee blames Conor Murray, said he's taken the space. On 47.50, five metres out from the line, Gavin Coombs tackles Reese Ruddock, gets back on his feet with a view to try and poach the ball, um, counter-rucks, 
and Niall Scannell and John Ryan come in. That Niall Scannell counter Oaks, then John Ryan comes in to poach the ball. Referee give a penalty against Munster. It's hard to hear Chris Busby what he's saying, but he's talking. He's saying putting your hands on the ground and coming in from the side. If he's referring to Gavin Coombs, I think Gavin Coombs is initially trying to poach the ball after he makes the tackle, and then has his hands on the ground. But if he doesn't have his hands on the ground, he's going to fall over. He kind of takes his hands back up and counter rocks then. For me, that's perfectly legal. People may argue and say, well, he shouldn't put his hands on the ground. Then he's saying that Niall Scannell and John Ryan come in from the side. It's totally wrong for me. So the, the in, what ensues from that is uh, Leinster scored a try from that quick penalty. Um, on 52 minutes, crossfield kick, so that's the first one, 47-50. Um, just have a look back at the Gavin Coombs counter-ruck and he, the way that Munster were penalised there, right under the post. Leinster scored a try from it. 52 minutes, cross-field kick for Scott Penny. Um, Dave Kilkine runs across, was half asleep initially and didn't realise there was no one outside him. The ball didn't set up for Scott Penny. Um, Dave Kilkine gets across, makes the tackle. Jack O'Donoghue comes in on a poach position. Um, James Lowe then starts indicating that Dave Kilcoyne is, is, is in the way he's killing the ball on the wrong side he moves the second time Chris Posby gives a penalty against him Jack O'Donoghue is locked on to the ball it was a clear penalty to Munster um, what happened from that uh, Dan Sheehan scores a try so the two tries I would argue should have been two penalties for Munster five yards out now people can argue and probably say well there's lots of decisions in the game, and there is. But these are the crucial, the two big crucial ones. There's three of them there, actually, with the Tyburn one as well. Um, and I know, look, he was, I, to be fair, he was pretty consistent in, in, in his interpretation. But I just thought those decisions went against Munster. Certainly, the, the Jack O'Donoghue won and the penalty that was given against Dave Kilkine. In my humble, honest opinion, 100% Jack, Dave Kilkine he moved out of the way. He was affecting nobody in the clear-out. Um, so he didn't stop any any Leinster players going in clearing out. That was 14 points. So that's the game. And there, that's the 10-minute period. So, you know, like, maybe it sounds a bit... It's You know, I, talk, I talked about referees in the last few weeks as well. We have the platform to talk about it. The, you know, I know mistakes happen. But Munster didn't get... If they got one of them, say 50% of those two calls, um, they probably would have won the game. Who knows? Now, Leinster probably could have yeah. went up the field and scored again. I, but I just thought it was psychologically, it was massive. And if you look back, so that's my three. 44 minutes, 47.50 and 52 minutes. People can go and have a look at them and get, and give us back your opinion. I, we can we can we can talk about it again next. Yeah, look, I I understand your frustration. I do think like I was roaring at the television when penalty was given against uh, Killer for not rolling away. Clearly, he had rolled out to the touchline, and I, I clever play by James Lowe. I just think the frustration from a Munster point of view, from a coaching and player point of view will not really be with the referee because I actually thought it was quite consistent across the board. I think it'll be a case of. Um, how poorly they defended and how soft those those tries were to concede it. I think that's that's probably where the frustration will lie. Yeah, definitely. It was um, they should have defended that a lot better. And obviously, Dan Sheehan couldn't believe it when when he went straight through. But he's very good at that, and Leinster are really good at that. Let's move on, Neve. Um, 
maybe it is a bit of sour grapes for me, <laughs> but I think they were just small decisions that that went against Munster there, and um, it cost it Munster dearly. Uh, Fourteen men to concede two tries like that. Keith Earls probably should have caught the ball, the crossfield kick yeah. from Harry Byrne as well. So there were certain things Munster could have done better themselves there. But that's the way it goes, unfortunately, and they lost the game. Let's move on to the start of the week. Um, I think there was... Uh, undoubtedly, you said it at the start. Um, for me, the start of the week was Gavin Coombs. I think his form in the last couple of weeks has been outstanding. Um, he had a real big game and scored a try made some brilliant carries, was involved throughout the whole game and a lot more consistent m- moments in the game from Gavin Coombs. And again, a bit of aggression. Um, his big strength is obviously ball carry and I thought he was he was very prominent in the whole game. Yeah, hugely. He made you know, an enormous amount of tackles as well. My big thing in, in, in relation to that that I probably would have questioned or queried in previous times was his work rate off the ball. You know, I think we... We'd see him for a big carry and we wouldn't necessarily see him again for, you know, a few phases. Whereas now I feel like, you know, consistent game time under his belt, but also maybe somebody's had a word in his ear because it's literally constant. The work rate now is is getting to that stage of, of almost CJ Stander-esque where it's just constant and he's in the forefront of everything. And I think the best number eights in the world do that. And I think that's definitely something he's striving for. But I thought he was... Really, really good again. Completely agree with that start of the week. And, and he was really good again the previous week as well. So hopefully he's on a, a trajectory now where we're starting to see that kind of potential and that promise that we know is there. Yeah, he was dis- obviously disappointed after the, the Ireland A game against New Zealand and been released back to Munster and not getting the game time in November for Ireland as well. But he has incredible potential and, and he's really important to Munster going forward. We should say, I think, with... Um, you know the effort level out of the players throughout was you couldn't fault anyone. I think just being a bit more clinical, um, a bit street smart, um, and Leinster have that in abundance. So it's another tough learning curve for 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 Munster, and uh, you know going forward, they just need to be better at that. I think Jack Crowley missed missed touch at one stage from the penalty. Um, Calvin Nash marked the ball, sliced it up the middle of the field as well. They were two things that need to be better, and they're mistakes that happen. But small things and small margins, Leinster are just very, very good at, at not making mistakes. And I thought defensively they were incredibly strong as well. Um, so we obviously move on to the, you know, what's what lays ahead after another disappointing loss to Leinster. Um, Munster go to, to Ulster at the weekend. As it stands, Munster won, played 10, won four games and lost six. It doesn't get any easier going to Belfast on Sunday, does it? No, absolutely not. I think that there's definitely been some question marks over Ulster over the last few weeks and um, they have a lot of things that they're trying to sort out and, and issues that they're trying to work through themselves and I've no doubt they're going to be fairly fully loaded as well whereas I, I know Munster's international players won't be available so we're going to be looking at players but this is the thing, we, we need them to stand up, we need to create that depth, we need to create... Um, you know, competition within that squad so that, you know, if, for example, uh, um, Keith Earls comes back from, from an injury, that he's fighting to get back into that squad as opposed to, you know, do you know what I mean? There are always going to be players that have that X factor and will always start for you. But 
there needs to be more within this this playing group where they're pushing each other or training and they're, they're, they're genuinely debates about who starts and who plays and and this is a brilliant opportunity for these guys this weekend but Ulster so good so strong at home and um yeah, Munster going to definitely be up against it. One, one big positive for Munster this year, and I think they need to be really uh, good again defensively, is not giving up you know, soft tries and soft scores. And even the ones they've conceded this year, you could nearly debate a lot of them that they could have avoided them. But Leinster, who are top of the uh, table, have their points against are one five seven. Um Monsters are one eight one. Monster eleventh in the table, and they're the second best for points conceded in in the table, which is incredible, really. Um, so Leinster have conceded one five seven. Monster one eight one, and look at the Stormers are second. They've conceded one hundred ninety three points. So the problem, <coughs> the problem for Monster really, when we talk, I know we're talking defensively, is scoring points. Can Munster go and score in Belfast? And they've only scored 201 points. And how are they going to score and break down an Ulster side who are going to be pretty strong? They had a tough couple of weeks themselves. Um, nearly lost in, 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 or well, they nearly threw away a, a lead and a win that they looked inevitable with 10 minutes to go in, in, in the sports ground last Friday night. Um, Jack Carty missed a kick at the end and they ended up winning. But... How do Munster go there and score and break down this Ulster side? Yeah, I think they just got to look at the template from the last couple of weeks against you know teams. They're conceding a lot of scores. Um, you know, I think they, the 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 pack it doesn't have without Ian Henderson. I I, I feel like that um, that Ulster side are definitely short of that physicality that's needed. Like likes Nick Timoney and you know Marcus Ray and these guys playing really really well but they don't have that physical oomph and I think that Munster can definitely go after that if they can um, manage that set piece a bit better and um, the biggest thing for me is Munster's ability to, to, to contain um, that back three from from, from Munster I think if, if the likes of I don't know if Lowry's allowed to play but Ethan McElroy Balakoon these guys they're all they're all in and around Stuart McCluskey James Hume it, it's an incredibly good backline and, and Munster need to be as defensively sound from a from a backline point of view as they have been over the last few weeks. And they had issues there in that, that um, quarter-final back in, 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 in June up in Belfast the last time they were there where Ulster kind of cut them apart a few times. So defence is going to be a real key at the weekend and uh, fingers crossed Munster can get back on track. It's been... a a busy, busy couple of weeks. It continues for Munster. They're away to the uh, Ulster this week. They've got the Lions at home the following week and then they've got Northampton home, Toulouse away and Benetton away. So, a really crucial cu- couple of weeks. We keep saying, we say that every block, but because they've lost those six games, it's just getting harder and harder and more difficult. Certainly, they picking up four points at the weekend would have been... Um, would have been very welcome, but who knows? Maybe they can go to Belfast and uh, if they have that belief and confidence within themselves, even though the result didn't go, they've got to try and build on that. But as you say, they're going to be without some of the internationals. They're going to have to rest some players who've played for the last number of weeks. John Klein looks like he's possibly has an injury now with an ankle injury. Um, So they're going to be thin on the ground. They're going up to 
against a very good and, side who've only and, lost two games this year. And, and on the back of the A game, they're, the A game are playing on, on Friday against the Irish 20s in Cork. So it's just constant. I think it's just that it's it's been such a such a busy period for them, for every team. Um, they've just got to try and manage the best way they can, I suppose. So looking ahead, before we uh, before we sign off in 2022, will 2023 be a better year for Munster? Uh, do you believe they've made progress? Um, we can't keep looking back at what happened in, in the last couple of years. I think there is positive signs for the listeners that they are on the right track. They have to try and develop more strength, um, get a bit of luck with Snyman hopefully getting back the end of January, February maybe. Um, but it would be disastrous for Munster not, a, not to get into Europe and they're up against it they've got a fight in their hands now and we knew this fight was going to be there given the, the early results so uh, will 2023 be a better year for Munster Rugby? Yeah I mean, definitely I'm like a glass half full so um, yeah I, I really do I, I like the way the, the direction they're going and um, I just urge people to be a little bit patient and I know that's an easy thing to say in a professional sport where it's ruthless but I do like the look of what they're trying to do um, and I feel a connection. I thought coming across on the TV, you were there, the, the atmosphere and that, that, that supporter player connection seems to be building back again. And that's something that we've craved. So uh, yeah, I think definitely it'll be a, a better year for they sure. They need a few breaks in the new year and get a little bit they of do. luck and, you know, they've been trying hard. So that's all we've asked for. And that's what, what they're giving to the monster fans at the moment. So uh Anyway, Happy New Year to everyone, uh, to you, Neve, and uh, thanks for listening. And uh, I'll probably get bombarded now with Leinster fans uh, <laughs> challenging me and the three penalties that I'm talking about that, that were given against Munster. But that's it for episode 51. Make sure you get your podcast straight to your phone. Just search for the Red 78. And don't forget to get in touch with us as well. You can send us a tweet or leave a comment on YouTube as well. So um, that's it. Happy New Year, Neve, And uh, thanks again. And we'll talk to you Happy next week. Happy New Year, Quinny. The Red 78 with Alan Quinlan and Neil Briggs. Nobody knows Monster Rugby better. I'd like to think I know a lot.